In a world that can be challenging and at times unpredictable, it's hard to find moments to focus on what you need. Join Stephanie James on The Spark as she guides you to use your inner flame to ignite your best life. As a best-selling author, psychotherapist, transformational life coach, and international show host, Stephanie is dedicated to helping you create a life that takes you, your goals, and your passions to the next level so you can live a life that is fully lit up and fully alive. She believes that your life is meant to be a beautiful expression of the things that light you up, that by living your dreams, you give permission to others to do the same. Are you ready to feel alive and inspired to fuel your dreams and put a fire behind your desires? Let's ignite a spark in one another that will illuminate the world. The Spark with your host, Stephanie James, starts now. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. So great to have you with us again. Thank you so much for the beautiful letters, the beautiful emails. Really excited that your spark is continuing to be ignited and that we're bringing you the content, the beautiful presenters, and really the leading voices around the world that help you to ignite your best life. So tonight I have someone just incredible joining me. I'm so excited to have Makoshi join us tonight here on The Spark. Makoshi, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. I'm really excited to talk with you and just share whatever I can to support people in igniting their spark. Well, what's amazing about you, what's amazing about Makoshi is she is known as the Royal Shaman. And she's a world-leading African shaman specializing in energetic alignment and human potential. She mentors high-performing individuals to create powerful transformations, amplifying their wealth and impact. What an amazing title. Talk about how that all came to fruition. Mm. Well, I will do my best to give you the cliff notes because um, this really has been a lifetime unfolding for me. I most certainly did not grow up with a, a goal or an intention of like, oh, one day I'm going to be, you know, doing this, this type of work. I had, um, I had an upbringing where I was um, one of two children. My mom was a single teen mother and I grew up in a small town in Southern West Virginia where um, I dealt with a lot of, a lot of racism. I had a lot of um, trauma as a child. And I grew up in poverty, one of the poorest areas um, in the United States. And from a very young age, it was kind of um, ingrained in me that the way to get out was through either um, sports, <laughs> entertainment, or education. And I had no hand-eye coordination. So sports was not going to be the way. It was not easy to get into entertainment from small town, West Virginia. And I tended to have quite an, uh, a mind on me. So I spent a lot of time in my books. So I thought, you know, if I can just uh, make it to college, that was my goal. I was like, I'm going to college and I'm just going to do well. And that's my goal. <laughs> that's what's going to get me success. That's going to be my way. Um, but I always had a lot of 
spiritual stuff going on. I, I kind of say I had like three different lives kind of happening simultaneously. The spiritual one, my educational one, and then also a health journey. I was, I was struggling with my health for a long time. And it was only when I kind of converged these three aspects of myself and began to be really what I call being spirit led, meaning I'm following my intuition. I'm following my, my, my inner spark and letting that be the thing that's guiding me versus what my mind thinks I should do or what other people are telling me makes sense. That is what has led me to this point. So it has been literally uh, an almost unbelievable story, but it's so wild that um, <laughs> it kind of has to be true because you couldn't make it up. But it really was me coming to this place of creating the success that the world was telling me would fulfill me at a very young age. I had. I skyrocketed to success in a network marketing company and I had, you know, the, the hot husband, I had the, you know, the beautiful baby, the white picket fence lifestyle. Um, but there was still something missing. So I just began to ask different questions and those questions centered around my identity, who I am start asking, who am I? Who am I here to be? What is the impact that I'm here to make in the world? And God, source, the universe started to respond in my reality by presenting opportunities and showing me who I was and who I was here to be. And so instead of constantly setting goals and and chasing, I began to get really present to who am I right now, truly? Um, What is in alignment for me? What does my intuition say is the right step for me? And I now have this unshakable faith in it because it's taken me to places I never could have imagined, like being here with you. This wasn't something I even thought was possible for me based off of the reality that I grew up in. And so now that's what I help other people do. That's so beautiful. And, and you know, I knew from reading a lot about you, um, I absolutely resonate with, I think we do get to those points of surrender where we realize that our minds, so many times, as, as you know, our minds don't even tell us the truth. It's this old habitual story or how we were culturally conditioned growing up. And so to really go to that deeper place that I'm hearing that that you really got to where you surrendered and you were like, okay, source, universe. God, whatever that higher power is, I surrender to you. And that through that, that became your guidance. That became that inner GPS for you. Yes. You know, what's funny is when you're saying it, Stephanie, it sounds like this beautiful, like Disney princess moment 
happened. Um, it was not at all like that. Like I have to tell you, I was I was kicking and screaming, <laughs> right? Like it was it was. I almost got to this point of just like being so fed up with myself and uh, frustrated and angry and and bitter, which everyone says like that's not that's not love and light. Um, but it was a gateway for me. And it was by getting to that point that I decided like, there has to be, there has to be another, another way. Um, but it does require a lot of bravery to do that because people will look at you and literally tell you like, you are crazy. What are, what are you doing? <laughs> what is, what is this? And it's only now, you know, years later that people are like, oh, I see what happened here. But they did. They was not supporting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. And, and I, again, totally resonate with what you're saying because my moments of surrender did not come in a beautiful fairy tale either. And I know my listeners know, you know, one of my big moments of hitting my knees was after 10 years of struggling with my daughter's drug addiction. Mm -hmm. And so it, it took sometimes, and I think for all of us, the most painful points in our lives that crack our hearts open. And not that we have to, I want to move away from the suffering narrative that we have to suffer to grow or evolve. And dear God, a lot of our right awakening happens through those broken open moments. Yeah. I, I love that you share that it doesn't have to be that way because I most certainly, um, even though people do tend to come to me at that moment of it's they've been suffering for a really long time or, you know, it, it, it's a moment of immense pain. But to me, what, why that happens is so that you can see that there is actually another way that um, all along the way, before you got to that, your intuition was whispering and was showing you things, but you were most likely ignoring them. It doesn't usually just like spring out as a surprise. It's usually something that was building up in momentum until finally, you know, your own higher self is like <laughs> shaking you to wake up. And then from there, you can decide, um, actually, I don't want to have to be slapped over the head anymore. Um, I just want to listen to my intuition <laughs> the first time or the second time and just expand because I desire to grow, desire to expand, not because I'm trying to avoid suffering. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yes. And so for you, what was, I'm sure there were many, what was a pivotal point for you that was one of these awakenings? What was one of those points where you said, I can't do it this old way anymore and I'm going to surrender to the divine. Yeah. One of the first ones, um, I was 15 years old and, uh, my best friend, I mean, we, we called each other sisters. We were very close. Um, she was murdered at only 15 years old. And I went kind of into a, a little bit of a, of a daze because 
Um, she was shot on a Friday the 13th, actually. And um, she was still technically alive. And the next day, um, her mother had to make the very difficult decision to pull the plug. And I actually was one of the only people that knew that she was pregnant at the time. She was uh, five months pregnant. And so, you know, her mother's like having to go through all this. And I, I had to be the one to tell her mom that, hey, I know that you have to make this really difficult decision of whether to keep her on life support or not. But you need to know the, you need to know what what the situation is. And, you know, she she did decide to take her off life support. And that night I returned home because I, I had stayed at a friend's who lived close to the hospital so that I could be, you know, I could be there. But I went home that evening and um, around sunset. So this was in, a, in the summertime, right before school started, going into my sophomore year of high school. And I got ready for bed and I climb in bed and it's only like eight o'clock. And she, she appeared at the end of my bed. And up until that point, I had been having experiences of the spiritual supernatural, what people call supernatural kind, but I was very intellectual as a kid and I would talk myself out of believing it from happening. Like, oh no, this is probably this, this, and this. That's not what's, you know, really happening. But when she showed up at the end of my bed and I had this moment of like, I was like blinking and like rubbing my eyes and pinching myself because I thought maybe I fell asleep and didn't realize it. And she laughed and nothing, there was no sound. And then she started communicating with me telepathically, which sounds so wild and so crazy to most people I know, but that's okay. Um, But it was this moment for me because up until that point, I... I had started to question why people did the things that they did because I had been experiencing various traumas. Mm-hmm. And I realized I started looking at what were the decisions that she was that she had made that led to this moment, right? And I realized I was making a lot of the same decisions, right? Because we're we're great friends. I'm making a lot of the same decisions. So I spent a year in almost pure silence. Like I was very quiet for a year, which was very different. Freshman year, I was like freshman attendant. I was in, you know, student government and very out there. Sophomore year, I shut down all my activities, just did my schoolwork and and went quiet for a year. And it was through that questioning of, well, well, what happened in her life that, that would lead to this moment? And, and her boyfriend, what was happening in his life? Like how I started questioning how humans behave and why we do the things that we do. And that was the moment that I really started to, well, number one, I got into personal development, but number two, I started to understand that there are no bad people in the world. That all that's happening is 
people are having experiences that are difficult, challenging, painful, um, that they perceive as traumatic, so on and so forth. And then they are unconsciously doing more harm to others. And it led me to a lot of very deep questioning around religion and genocide and very deep shadow work at a really young age. (laughs) But I think that's why now I'm able to hold space for people to explore these things. I don't, I don't shy away from talking about taboo topics, um, things that most people are uncomfortable discussing. I have complete comfort with, and also no judgment about. Well, and I think one of the things that's so beautiful about you, and first of all, I just want to acknowledge, thank you for sharing that really intimate and, and personal story. Um, and you can just see it in you. I love the the beauty of the dichotomy that you can tell you're a very strong, badass woman and you have so much light, you know? So it's like, yeah, you've, you've been through the trenches. You can hold other people's pain and their own challenges. And I think those of us that are light workers that have been through painful things, that we have a depth of ability to do that in ways that maybe someone that has just studied or read about this in a book and comes out of, you know, graduate school with their psychology degree um, can hold. It's a very different way. And, And I definitely see that and hear that in you and see the light and the joy that is so awesome. Sometimes, and and I know several shamans, some of them take themselves too serious, too seriously, right? And I love that, that you are this very powerful shaman. And it's like, life is also joy. Life is that spark. And I can really feel that in you and see that just shining through you. Yeah, I thank you so much for that, because there are definitely a lot of people who misconstrue or misunderstand um, my my lightness and uh, my ability to sometimes even joke about morbid things. And um, but what I found, at least in, in my experiences, that the people who had the absolute most um, embodied wisdom had a lightheartedness about them because when you begin to not just know certain things philosophically and theoretically and they really you be, you begin to know them on a embodied level you begin to recognize the beauty and have gratitude for this moment and for what it means to be human. Like I love being human (laughs) in its, you know, in its rawness and its ugliness. And I get very excited when somebody's like, you know, willing to look at the darkness in them 
because it's only when we do that, that then we're able to tap into this other 50% (laughs) of our being and our potential and, um, and begin to raise the vibration associated in those, in those areas. It creates a really, for the individual, it it creates this beautiful um, state of flow because they're no longer resistant to what is. They're able to um, experience all it means to be human, to be human, but then also um, their capacity to have love and compassion for more people is expanded. That's not to say that sometimes I don't get annoyed (laughs) with people and I don't, you know, every once in a while, definitely judge someone um, because I'm also still human. But um, for me, that's, I don't know. It's just created a much better experience for me in my life. Well, yeah. And and even to go back to the old cliche that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And if that's real, you know, part of being human is we are going to have, you know, things are going to be messy. Sometimes we are going to have these shadow emotions and instead of resisting them, because we're trying to align ourselves, we go with this higher vibration or higher aspect of ourselves I think what I'm hearing you say too, is, you know, when we're in alignment with that, if we're pressing down and suppressing all those negative energies, they're just going to rise up anyway. You know, they're going to eventually come out in some way. And so to make peace with them and to acknowledge, yeah, they're there. And when we can be in that kind of befriending of our full emotional expression, then maybe we are clear conduits to experience the divine within us. Absolutely. So I want to ask you a little bit about your journey into becoming a royal shaman. And I'm very, very interested in um, the initiations that you went through and what that was like. I know you did some things in Africa and as well as Egypt. So can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so when I, whenever I had this, um, this moment of, you know, doing all of the things that society said that I needed to do in order to be successful. And I started asking different questions about, about who I am and, and who I'm here to be. Um, I was guided through synchronicities, through signs, um, into my first initiation. And my first initiation was in the mystery schools of ancient Egypt. Um, so if anyone knows anything about the Dogon tribe, they exist in West Africa, but they migrated. So a lot of people don't understand or recognize that ancient Egyptians are African. Okay, if you go to if you go to Egypt, um, you will even see in the Nubian village, and if you go to some of the monuments, they will tell you that it, that it was invaded multiple times. The most recent invasion was about I think the seventh century. Um, by by Muslims, and that's why Egypt is um, primarily Muslim now. But before that, it was invaded by the Greeks and Romans, and prior to that, it was 
Africans, right? I mean, Egypt is in Africa. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for people that don't know their geography. Yes. It's actually in Africa. (laughs) Yes, so important. um, When these invasions were happening, the different tribes that were living in Africa moved. They, They migrated to various other areas. So the first initiation that I went into was um, a mystery school with in, in essentially into ancient Egyptian spirituality. And I didn't share it before, but my, my I know that my previous um, life here was in ancient Egypt. And I came with that knowing and came with those with those memories. So that first initiation was essentially a deconditioning process, letting go of um, who I thought that I was and initiating into who I was born to be, Hefisa Najezer. That's where I received that name after about three years of initiation. I received my name, Hefisa Najezer. Najezer means the protector and advocate of the holy. No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No pressure to that name at all. And through that initiation, we do what's called divination. And um, divinations are are done by priests and priestesses in um, indigenous or ancient spiritual systems. And we do these to see not only what's going on, like what the problems are with a person's life right now, but what we're really looking for in divination is the root cause of those problems, right? So I'm having divination done and the root cause of some of the problems I was experiencing, because remember I, I mentioned I was having health issues. A lot of it was around my health. Um, but then also in, in some of my relationships and the addiction in my family and some of the um, sexual trauma that I experienced as a child, the root cause of a lot of that was because of my my calling that I'm really here to be a spiritual teacher, a priestess, a shaman and And so it kept coming out like, Oh, you're going to need to become this in order to be in alignment. But while I was in initiation, my son was very small. Um, He was, you know, two, three, four years old, very young. So in my mind, I was like, Oh yeah, you become you become a priestess um, or you become a shaman after lots of years. So, you know, when I'm like, you know, maybe in like 15 years, 20 years, <laughs> then I will, you know, get to that place. However, what people don't know is that there are different classes. You can say there are different classes or there's different types of shaman depending on the spirit of that person or spirits. In my case, I have seven core spirits. And so I kept having, you know, my, my health issues and, and the problems in my life just kept getting worse. And eventually I got to a a point of being fed up and I said out loud one night, I had like this horrid migraine where I, you know, I, I couldn't see (laughs) that's how bad it was. And I literally just got so frustrated. And I said out loud, I was like, okay, ancestors, spirits, 
Like whoever is around and whoever it matters to, whatever I have to do, whatever I have to sacrifice, I will do it. I don't care how much it costs. I don't care how long it takes. I will do it. And I meant it. I wasn't just saying that, like I was speaking that from my soul. And the minute that I did that, my phone actually went ding. And I was like, that's, that's weird. I got this message. And the message that I got was from a woman who I had dreamed about a year before. (laughs) I had seen her in my dream a year before. And she had messaged me and she said, are you a healer? And I, I did respond back. Yeah, well, I know I'm to become one, but I'm, I'm not yet. And so long story short, she ended up being my spiritual mother and took me through my first initiations um, into becoming what is called a Sangoma, which is a Zulu shaman. So I initiated in that lineage in South Africa back in 2018. Um, so that whole process was about five years. I didn't know it at the time, but my first initiation was kind of paving the way because there's lots of cleansing. There's, you know, fasting, there's incredible spiritual discipline, things I couldn't eat like taboos. And it's a, it's a lot, (laughs) it's a lot, um, to go through that process, but I didn't realize So I haven't talked about, I think this might be the first place that I've actually talked about this part. Um, So in the, in the process of initiation, there's certain spiritual aspects you have to take care of first. And in my initiation, you have to take care of your ancestors first, right? Because they are essentially like the, the gatekeepers or they're essentially you, right? So there's, they're you, but in spiritual form. So you have to take care of that first. And after doing that initiation, I actually started another initiation. And this one has been, has been completely spirit led. And it's been into embodying the highest spirit that I hold, which in Zulu is called Inzunza. And, um, this spirit specifically, all of it really came to a head because I went to Egypt in November last year. So it's been about a year since I had this experience. Um, there's been lots. So this, this spirit in particular, um, the initiation happens underwater. So it, this sounds really wild and crazy. I spent a year underwater, but in dream time. So one night I fell asleep and in my dreams, I was taken underwater and was training underwater. And I would actually like spend a whole day and I would sleep and then I would wake up. And this was like a year, but then I woke up here and it was one night. Wildest. (laughs) (laughs) Very difficult to describe that. Um, But all of that training was starting to come to a head and really came to a peak in November when I went back to Egypt and I went to the site, the temple of Isis, where I remembered being murdered the last time that I was here. And shortly after that, I ended up having this experience with another shaman who was like 
I've been fine. I've been looking for a person by this name, Najizer, um, for five years. <laughs> and this woman told me that she would be da, 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 right. And ultimately it's all kind of come full circle. And I've been able to come to this incredible understanding about who I am, why I'm here initiating into, into my role as a spiritual leader, um, bringing through a very different paradigm, a very different, um, spiritual way of being that requires me to walk a different path than the typical, um, shaman. So I don't work with, um, plant medicines. The type of spirit that I carry actually requires no medicine, um, at all. If I choose to use something, I can use whatever I want, but my medicine is me. My medicine is my presence. My healing happens when I'm around, uh, stuff comes to the surface um, I have a, you know, a, a cleansing spirit. And sometimes that's uncomfortable for people because everything that is, um, you, you could say dirty or suppressed comes out, um, which leads me to be blamed for a lot of things, but <laughs> it's, it's part of my calling. And the beauty of it is Um, that when I work with people, the spirit that I carry brings, um, healing, transformation, wealth. That's a beautiful byproduct, uh, fertility. Uh, lots of my clients get pregnant. (laughs) That happens a lot, uh, to the point we have lots of fun jokes about it. Um, but it's still, I, I, I still feel like I'm in initiation and constantly, you know, refining and unfolding new aspects of myself. Yeah. What a, what a journey. It's, it's so awesome. I love that you actually got to go to Egypt and to experience that, that is, sounds like it was a very powerful experience for you. And so when did you start working with clients? When did you start helping other people to start self-actualizing and moving towards their own wholeness and healing and, and their own ascension, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I officially started doing that whenever I, um, returned from South Africa back in 2018. Um, once we go through our graduation ceremony. So actually when we're in training, we are already working with people. Mm. So there were people that I, have been guiding and mentoring for a really long time. And when you have a gift like this, it doesn't just like appear because you initiated. I've really been doing this my entire life, um, doing readings. I started doing readings um, for people in middle school at age 12. Someone gifted me a tarot deck and I started reading um, for people even that young. But I officially started the, the Royal Shaman in 2018. And originally, you know, I started, you start with, you know, the tools that you have where you're at, right? 
So I started in the traditional way. And as I was going along, um, the spirits come to me and train me and tell me like, do this and this, or don't do that anymore. And so over, it's been challenging for me because I would love to just kind of fit in the way that, um, those in my spiritual lineage operate, but that is not who I'm here to be. Hmm. So I have, I'm constantly having to evolve how I do things and, um, really bring through, uh, just a very different way. Have, you know, it's just a very different, unique path. Well, and I'm curious, do you have a morning routine or do you have a specific spiritual routine you follow daily that opens you up or connects you to these higher energies? Yeah. Um, so it's become so a part of my life all the time that sometimes I forget that it's not a thing that everyone does. Um, (laughs) so I do have, um, practices around connecting with my ancestors and what I call my spirit squad, because I just think it sounds fun that way, but, um, what I call my spirit squad. And, and that looks like, um, utilizing, I have very simple tools, a candle, incense. I use a specific incense, either frankincense or oud, um, water meditation. Um, but also for me, my spirit responds a lot to embodiment practice. Mm -hmm. So my meditation is dance or, um, or singing. That's when I'm like the most connected and activated Um, and so I will have these, these moments of, um, you know, something needing to come through and I will feel this urge. And I like, I call it binge singing because I will binge sing for like three or four hours and no time will pass. And then on the other side of that, um, the ideas start coming yeah, start flowing. Um, I also get a lot, um, I'm able to connect with spirit a ton through spa experiences like massage float tanks. Mm. Um, Love me a float tank Uh, sauna. So I spend a ton of time um, either I have a sauna blanket or I I will actually go to the sauna and um, really I've had experiences that are, more, um, a a little more out there, right. A little more, um, out of body spiritual experiences, but I am here to be an embodiment. And so I look for how do I bring spirit into my everyday life? How do I get present with, um, what I'm doing. And so, yes, I have rituals. And also I believe my body is my temple. My life is a ritual. And so I can ritualize and get present to very small things like how I make my tea or how I adorn myself in the morning is a ritual practice for me to get present. 
Beautiful. Yes. Like our life as the meditation. I love that concept. So with clients, tell us a little bit about what are some of your success stories? Because you work with people that are entrepreneurs, it sounds like, and people that are really trying to make that shift, oftentimes monetarily. What is What would that yeah. look like if someone was, well, I have two questions. One is success story. And the other question is around what would that look like if someone started working with you? Yeah. So I have noticed a pattern of most people do come from a monetary um, lens, right? There's somehow a knowing in them, or they, they come to a belief that if I operate in alignment, that money will flow, right? And that I don't have to hustle and force and push so much in order for it to flow, which is absolutely accurate. So they come wanting to know how to make more money, but it then becomes, um, this beautiful process of helping them to get into alignment and stay in alignment. And that typically comes from them going on this journey of self-discovery and letting go of the identities that they've been holding on to that are no longer serving them. So we do end up sometimes going into areas that are outside of business. Like I have so many clients who most of my clients are women. Um, They don't realize like their relationship with their mom is showing up in their relationship with their team, for example. Mm -hmm. And it's getting them to see how these patterns are affecting the reality and empowering them to be able to choose a new way of being and, and then integrate that right? Integrate that meaning like that becomes who they are. It's not just a habit that they're trying to make. It becomes how they see themselves, which is the only way to really create long lasting transformation. So how that works um, really just depends on, on the person. Um, Right now we mostly have, I say we, because I have a team, and uh, we, we utilize community. The shamanic way is that we do things that we heal in community. This society loves to keep us individual, loves to have us believe that, you know, we're the only ones, we're individual. But so much healing happens when you are able to be vulnerable, and also see yourself in others and see how all the different ways that this one pattern can begin, you know, showing up in lots of different people and lots of different scenarios, which actually speeds up (laughs) the healing because now you don't have to go through all those different ways of, that the pattern shows up in your own life, you can see, oh, this is how it shows up in that person's life and that person's life. And so it, it speeds up that healing process. Um, and what happens as a result? So I get really excited around our success stories. And I know that in the spiritual space, in coaching spaces, 
it's kind of understood that only 1% of people get results. And we have extremely high success rates. And it's been very difficult for me to talk about the success stories because so much of it is outside of what people think is possible. So our clients' stories seem almost miraculous. So one of the best known examples is uh, what was one of my clients, Catherine Zankina, also known as Manifestation Babe. She has a huge following and she's an incredible manifestation teacher herself. Um, And so she came to me, she had been plateaued at $600,000 launches. And through our work together, she was then able to transcend that finally after two years of upper limiting. Then she went to 1.85 million from 600,000 then to 2.6 million. And last I checked, I think she did like 3.2 million launch. And she does two launches a year, by the way. (laughs) So that was a massive, um, massive shift. And for her, a lot of it, a lot of the work that we did together was simply around her accepting who she is and letting go of the fear of judgment from others. And the more that, the more herself that she is, the more people are magnetized to her, right? That's really all I do is help people to be themselves. (laughs) Love that. That's it at the core, helping people be their authentic self and then magnifying that. Um, We have another case study um, that's literally just was recorded. It's not out yet. Um, but one of my clients, Heather, she, um, she does social media or did, well, she still has a couple clients, um, did social media for a lot of celebrity clients, um, very high profile, like, like Priyanka Chopra and, uh, Tia Maori and, um, oh my gosh. Um, Taraji P. Henson's one of her clients. Like she has massive A-list clients, but she, number one, created a business that was so far out of alignment with who she is. And every coach that she was going to was kind of calling her crazy. Cause like, why would you want to destroy a business that's so successful? And, you know, you're working with all of these clients, but for her, I really saw this opportunity because she had this genius and and is building these incredible brands. Um, She's so much more than just a social media manager, but that's all she was being seen as. And so I saw for her this reality where she's getting paid through equity in these brands that she's building and that she would be paid in order to build them. And then she would also have a stake in how well that did in the long term. And she recently has created that reality, which for her, she was like, oh yeah, I think like maybe, yeah, I think in like five years, I might be able to do that, but I need to do this first and that and da, 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 da. But when she started to see herself and accept herself and recognize who she truly is and what, what she's bringing Mm -hmm. in those relationships 
it became a no brainer for people to want to collaborate with her in that. And I have zero doubt that for her, she's just at the start of what will be a billion dollar empire. I have no doubt. It's, it's just a matter of, of time, five years, maybe, I don't know, maybe not. Wow. Powerful, powerful examples. I can't believe that our time together has flown by so fast. You're such a delight to speak with such a joy. I'm let, let the audience know, how can they contact you? How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, these days I'm mostly on Instagram at The Royal Shaman or on YouTube, The Royal Shaman, or my website, theroyalshaman.com. Beautiful. Well, and please stay around for one moment after the interview's over. Um, and as we're wrapping up, what is the essential message that you'd like to leave with the audience? Hmm. Ultimately, my, my core message and my dream really for all of humanity is for everyone to understand that freedom comes from living in your authentic essence, living in your essence. And when you do that, all of the abundance that's aligned for you, which by the way, is almost always well beyond what you could imagine for yourself. All of that comes when you honor that. So we need to let go of the idea that when we get money, then we'll have freedom. Or when we get time, then we will have the freedom to be ourselves. No, when we choose freedom, when we choose to be ourselves and allow that to permeate our businesses, our lives, our ways of being, that is when magic will happen. Beautiful. Perfect. Makoshi, thank you so much for being here with me, for being such a wonderful guest and just inspiring so many lives. Thank you for being here.